Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, my name's Nick. Hello, I'm Woogie. We are the Mouth of Manliness. This is a podcast all about uh, mental health. But it's not just mental health. Um, it's kind of about people's lives and about uh, how they cope and how they manage in the world. Yeah, and digging into the stories that make them who they are. Yeah, so it's real life stories um, where we talk about things that people have been through and how they've managed and how they've coped and how they've come out the other side. So sometimes it's just me and Woggy here, but more often than not, we're talking to guests, uh, sometimes more well-known guests, but more often than anything, it's um, just normal people who have been through um, interesting situations. Yeah, and they've all got a lovely story to tell. Yeah, so mouth and manliness, we are about mental health, but we're more about people and stories. So welcome to the mouth. The mouth of manliness. To the mouth of manliness. Um, yeah, we've had a little break, and after doing Camp Festival, and we are back. Yeah, um, hello, hello. Yeah, hello. Um, yeah, it's been a nice little break, actually. I've um, quite enjoyed it. Today, we have David Toby, the artist and mental health uh, activist, um, our guest. Very, very pleased to have you, David. Um, it's, I've yeah. been really looking forward to talking to you as it happens. I really have. Ah, oh, brilliant! I appreciate it. I, I, vice versa. Um, I, I really enjoy. It's it's quite weird, like because I actually enjoy talking about mental health, and I know it's not a very uh, blokey thing. <laughs> it's funny that, isn't it? It's funny. Yeah. Is is if if you're comfortable talking about things, it's uh, it is a beautiful conversation to be had, right? Yeah, totally. I, th- I think it goes through those stages. Like, you know, I, for years and years and years, I didn't talk about stuff. Mm. And I think that's what caused most of my problems, um, you know, because I think when you sort of like shut your problems down to just deal with them yourself, mm. you can't, you, there's certain things that you can deal with um, and, you know, and, and you cope with because you guys are, oh, well, this is what we're supposed to do as a bloke um, is like, you know, work this out, deal with it and move on. But when you get a culmination of loads of things going wrong at all the same time, which a lot of the time, you know, mental health, you know, is part of those problems as well. Um, it's really difficult to try and deal with that on your own, isn't it? Um, so sometimes it's a little bit better 
to sort of like share some of your problems um, or thoughts or stuff what's going through in your head. So, yeah, so I've, I've been quite looking forward to this because, like I said before we uh, started recording, uh, my mental health has been a bit all over the place recently. So now I've got my session of therapy I'm just about to have with you guys. Yes, <laughs> yes. And do you know what? It, it really is. Like, I mean, I, I, I always look forward to our recordings. And as, as we said, again, before we started recording, we've had a few weeks out of releasing and that, and it's our first one back. And, you know, it's it's I'm gutted that I'm not actually sat next to Nick because it's we, we, we tend to go straight into that mode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, and it's a lovely thing. Yeah. Um, it is massively helpful. So, yeah, it's nice. We can have a good chat. You know what I mean? That's how it goes. It's so true. Uh, like, I, I found once I started talking about it, um, uh, there was this burden taken off of my shoulders somehow. It's like um, all those years of hiding that you're that you're not well. Uh, like It's exhausting. And it's actually kind of feeding it. It's making it worse as you go. So what you said was uh, like that's that's exactly what happened to me. I just got to a point when I was so mentally ill that um, I was like, ah, it all just clicked, and I realised. And then I just kind of then when I stopped hiding it and was just honest about it, I felt so much better. It made a massive mm. difference. You know? Yeah, it's true. It's true, isn't it? Um, I think like you know, for for years, I didn't believe that I had something wrong. Um, you know, I didn't believe it. You know, I, I would drink, I would party, you know, I would do whatever I could mm. to sort of like shield those problems and put them, like pack them away, basically. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and obviously it's not until something like, you know, catastrophic happens that you suddenly go, oh, I have got a problem, haven't I? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And and you, cause you don't, you don't realise it, you know, and because I, I guess you feel like it, that's part of life. That's what's supposed to happen. You know, we're supposed to have these feelings and we're supposed to deal with them in the way that we're led to believe that we should be dealing with yeah, them. You do. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Cause like, I, it, you, 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 you struggle hard sometimes just waking up in the morning. And I, I, I learned to sort of not, I don't know, like I, 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 I've sort of been looking into sort of, I'm up my firm belief that I'm sort of a bit ADHD and stuff in, in the way, in the way that I, the way I cope with things. And even more so, like I haven't really spoke to you about this much, Nick, actually, but like, I've been looking into it even more so now about just my general behavior of like, everything is cataclysmic all at the same time. And I wake up like that. Right. Yeah. And, and and that that has been that way for fucking years now, like a good a good ten years, and it's it's effect it affects sort of, and I, I resonate with the fact of like when you when you just drink and you get on it and you do everything that it's like the next day is always just a, a day where you don't do anything right and that and you know you should be so like and, and I think and the, and the total opposite the polar of that for me now as a person is that I wake up knowing everything I've got to do but then I'm just full of anxiety and uh, and when I'm not feeling perfect. That's 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 exactly what it is, and that spirals me sometimes. Mm. I either get really good and get and get in control, or the complete opposite, and I'll still go down that road like, occasionally. And you combat yeah. that with, like, exercise or conversations with people, you know. But mm. it's 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 amazing how it um, physically takes you over, you know. But yeah, you kind of, uh, especially if you've been do having it for years, you kind of think it's normal. Yes. Uh, you you haven't really got anything, to, any kind of benchmark really you know like except like you look around at men especially 
men um, on TV and films and and around you. Mm. And, it, and like, all right, they might be having a hard time, but they don't seem to be crying all the time, for example, you know? And it's like, well, why am I doing that? So then after a while, it, yeah, I started to, I, I thought, I, I knew I was ill many moons ago, really. But um, yeah, it all comes out in different ways, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, um, the chaos thing. Some people, like they kind of live in chaos, but it's not, it almost perpetuates itself and it's uh, and that's a response to something somewhere you know what i mean that's what i i tend to think i, I think i think the chaos is like part of the cause as well because yeah. i think like you know we we create that chaos as a as a shield as a diversion um as a way i i guess at a sort of um i, I want to say coping mechanism but it's not a coping mechanism it's 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 like when you wear a mask right yeah. um you know you put these masks on like you know or you know or you know you you, you might wear makeup or something just to sort of like com, com, complete this diversion so people go so well you're wearing makeup yeah i'm wearing makeup but then you don't realize everything else like, what the fuck's going wrong with me like yeah, type yeah. thing yeah, like I mean? a shield a shield yeah. against the world yeah totally and 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 it, and it, and, it, and I guess it works in a very similar way as what you know, like when when you have like an anxiety attack, like you know that you're shielding that the body's shielding the pain that you're going through, so it shuts another part of the body down. And yeah. I feel like that's what it does. And you know, when when you're going through some sort of mental health, um, you know, time, um, there there are different ways of coping or dealing with it and i think we as men tend to choose the wrong way of dealing with it um you know because we we, we go for ease because we think well actually if i just go out and get pissed everyone's getting pissed as well they're not going to see that i've got a fucking problem um but then when they you know they don't see you out every day drinking um or taking drugs or, or stuff like that mm. even though you're seeing that and going and doing that every day but yeah. most people out in that pub are only there once twice a week type thing um so they don't see that that it's out of control they just yeah, see you on their days that they're coming in um but then that then perpetuates this chaos doesn't it um, um so i i found a really good coping mechanism is giving myself structure yeah. you know and and getting a cat because the cat sort of like gets you out of bed in the first place because he's gnawing on your ears or something yeah. um wanting food and then by giving myself this morning structure every day that has helped me so much um i i think you know but you know there are so many different ways to cope isn't there um and i think by doing stuff like this is one of those coping mechanisms it really does help structure really sorts me out i buck against it really badly and i, I hate it as much as uh yeah I like it, it, i'm like no i'm a rock star why am i doing that you know but the structure sorts me out um like i might have a lot to drink at the weekend but actually come sunday night like i won't drink on a sunday i go to bed early and i start reading my book and i'm like ah oh. suddenly i feel kind of uh, safe and normal and I know and it's predictable and that's boring and mm. that's what I buck against but um, 
it does sort me out. It always does. Mm. So that's that's been the thing since like working for myself. Yeah. Like having fuck all structure for a long time actually is that I will push it even till like if like what this weekend we just played a festival we done our festival and then we went out on the Saturday night and I was good Saturday night actually went home and had a kip but then on the Sunday met up with the other band members and was like right my turn happy days and and then because knowing that Monday Tuesday doesn't matter really like I've my responsibilities are based on my own timeline so I can push it to 12 morning. And it's and when you're you know pushed nearly forty and got responsibilities like your children and that and it's like well I should I should really just go out of bed and read my book but mm-hmm. and honestly I've got a pile of books that, that big that I haven't <laughs> read either and I'm gutted that I ain't fucking read them it'll probably do me do me a right favour yeah like, I, I, I still fluctuate between that or I'm heavily into exercise and I'll swim and I'll train every day and I won't touch a drop of booze. At all, and I want. I'm so extreme with everything yeah. I do, with everything. So that's that's the way I've coped. Um, I was a heavy drinker, you know. I, I worked in bars, restaurants, you know, and um, and murder anyway, right? That's it, you know. Yeah, murder. yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Um, and and it got to a stage when after I got really, really ill, um, you know, I was like. I guess in a way my body was giving me a choice, you know, of saying, you know, do you want to carry on going through all this shit or do you want to sort of like try and like deal with it? Um, so I gave up drinking, um, in 2013. Um, and I went, I went from drinking every single day. Right. Um, for me, that was my comfort blanket, you know, having like a few tins and, quite a bit of gin and uh whiskey every night um was my my comfort blanket to be able to stop having these thoughts so i could go to sleep um and so i would get sort of like intoxicated and this went on for many many years you know and um and but there's only so long that you know that can go on for so when i gave up drinking um i then compensated um with uh recreational drugs um and painkillers a lot of painkillers um and then obviously they then started get to the stage where that got out of control um and uh obviously bit of psychosis um and um several overdoses um you know trying to end my life um and you know i think when you know because the way i look at it right um you know and obviously I'd, I'd gone through sort of like a few years of like so i had my stroke in 2011 um i was 36 36 when i had my stroke um, was that and, a result of like the, the you're you're punishing yourself yeah i think so um i think i was working a hell of a lot of hours um you know being like head chef business owner of the bars um and drinking heavily to about four or five every morning um yeah. and then getting up at eight to go to work and stuff that like that, it, you, that exactly good. right yeah. you, you you punish yourself um and this went on and even my weekends off i was just constantly on it that whole weekend yeah. um and obviously that led to my stroke i think um plus other things um and then that was like um you know starting point of this domino effect of things going wrong in my life you know from um you know 
relationship breakdown, losing my house, um, getting diagnosed uh, with cancer, um, cardiac arrest, you know, all this um, in such a short period of time obviously caused my my anxiety and my depression to really take control. And I think for me, I had a week back in, I think it was about, um, it was end of 2011. Um, and I did five overdoses in one week. Wow. And, okay. and, and I knew then something wasn't right. That's when it, that, that was the yeah. first point of when I felt something wasn't right. Dave, were they, were they um, like you consciously did overdoses or yeah. you accidentally overdosed? I, I think it was a bit of both. I, I, yeah. I think it, it was mainly conscious, mm-hmm. but in my unconsciousness, if that, may, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't really in control of myself at that point it's of just life. Fuck it, right? Yeah, and, and, and because my illnesses, and I'd just come out of hospital and all this sort of stuff where I was on, um, you know, I had a cardiac arrest and, you know, uh, neurosyphilis, which was killing me and, and all this sort of, you know, cancer treatment, and all this sort of period uh, of time brutal. in such a like short yeah. period of time. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that it, it became this sort of, I was getting a phone call from doctor saying, this is wrong. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I was so blase about it because I just wasn't in control of it anymore. And, and I think, when I was, you know, talking about this chaos that we we live in, mm. I think that's when that chaos and the control are sort of like fighting each other. Mm. And um, so it, it, it came to this point where, you know, I, I, I basically gave up on myself and my life. Um, and obviously, you know, I lost the businesses, I lost my partner and, and you know, and ultimately um, I think it was June... 2013 yeah yeah it was either the 18th or the 20th of june um around that period um i took a fatal overdose um in a park mm-hmm. which um obviously i was i was really lucky that someone resuscitated me um and um put me into hospital and um and i remember being in the hospital saying to him and they were saying are you going to do this again and i went well yes Mm. and they were like but why and I said because I can't there's no other I have no other option Mm. at the time I was just about to lose my flat I was worried that my flatmate was going to lose her flat as well right so I had all this pressure Mm. and this this you know whole sort of like tumbling of the mental state that I couldn't see any other options um and for me that was so clear to me to say actually if you end your life this all goes away mm. this all goes away mm. and, and and that and that's what it was um and and i kept saying this to the hospital but they still let me out um you know it was just yeah they will yeah it was this period of time which was really really tough obviously that then caused me to lose my flat and i became street homeless um you know to become street homeless after you know going through one of the lowest periods of your life to yeah. then have that slapped into your face. I was just like, come on. Um, so this whole period, then after that, I went through this five month period of living in a car in North London. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 
my mental health just really sort of like completely crumbled um yeah. i didn't know who i was half the time um i was not taking any medications my health was getting really really bad because at the time I, I was hiv positive as well so i had this like not being able to take my medication for that so my health then massively deteriorated as well um and yeah it just got to the stage where i decided to end it again um in a park um and uh i think this is the part of my life which sort of like actually made sense like because for me i don't know whether you guys have ever felt it like you know when you've been going through those low points those low periods of times where you actually can't see yourself waking up you know you 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 have those thoughts all the time you go actually i can't see myself waking up tomorrow like do you know what i mean and and i and i think for me life had got so bad my mental health had like you know it was rock bottom i hadn't eaten for days and all this sort of stuff and yeah. and yeah i just decided i said well i can't see myself waking up let's go and like make sure that i don't um and i went into this park on Isden road in north london started to um give myself a two gram crystal meth overdose um and um this guy stopped me um he was just I don't know whether to like you know call, uh, well, he, he obviously saved my life that moment um he he, he, went, he went what the fuck are you doing <laughs> what? so what did he think did he what was he a fella another user and he was no. like oh, you're taking loads or because it's like yeah for someone to kind of come out of it was it was even weirder than that he was a park enforcement officer right and he was there to lock up the park and had gone through and and I'll tell you a bit uh, basically he literally was like saw me on this park bench like and said what the fuck you doing and it threw me completely threw me and I was like and I didn't know how to answer him and I just broke down in tears and I was crying my eyes out and I was like I probably looked like a madman because I was rocking to and fro in this this bench light and I was and I couldn't look at him in the face and I sat there for ooh, well over two hours with him um he just sat there and listened mm. and you know it was probably the first time anyone had ever asked me what was going on um and why my life had fallen apart and you know wanted to know and was interested um he got me some food he gave me some money and he got me into a night shower um the for the following day he gave me that choice he gave me a piece of paper with a dress he goes go there if you want to change your life um i was lucky right uh that time but also lucky two years later to meet him um because yeah, some, <laughs> yeah some friends managed to track him down um to try and find out you know and I remember being in, we went back to the park where it happened to meet him. I didn't know I was going to be meeting him that day. Um, uh, friends of mine wanted to just film some like thoughts, like, you know, to make this little film um, talking about why I, I did it at that place. And, and at the time, because obviously it was, it was a dark park, it was nighttime. And, um, and I got really upset that day when I went back because 
I found it was right next to a kid's playground mm. and it really fucking hit me. Um, and I went, you selfish bastard. Like, how could you do this? Um, it says a lot about if your condition yeah. at the time though, doesn't totally. it? It's yeah. like you were so unwell that you like that you weren't aware. I didn't even no, think and that's, about it. I don't you know think I mean? people realise that when yeah. you're in that kind of condition, you're not aware of all this stuff. You're not necessarily I aware of wasn't, what you're leaving. Yeah, I wasn't aware of anything. I wasn't even aware of where I properly was. I remember that bench is impregnated in my brain. And when I went back there and we walked around and it's literally, yeah. no lie, the park bench is here and a kid's play area is there. And I, and I cried my eyes out and I went, if I'd gone through that and nobody had found me that day, a little kid could have found me. Um, and, and that broke my heart. Um, and so to go back there that day, I was in there being filmed and they were interviewing me. And then suddenly they, I saw this park enforcement van pull up outside the park. And I went, I went, oh my God, it was one of these guys who saved my life not realizing that they tracked him down. Um, and, and he walked in cause they asked me, they said, you know, would you like to meet the person who saved your life? I went, no, I said, I wouldn't actually. I said, because what do you say? Yeah, yeah, what do you say? What do you say to somebody? What do you say? Like, Oh, thanks. Like, you know, um, so <laughs> it's really difficult. Like, so, and so when he walked in and I saw it and I recognized him straight away, like instantly. Mm. And the first thing I said was, I owe you 10 quid. <laughs> <laughs> and and I got to sit there. It was amazing. I got to sit there with him um, and tell him stuff that I'd done since that day. Mm. You know, and I and I was so proud to, you know, highlight all the different things that I had achieved, which I would never have been able to do if it wasn't for his intervention. Um, and so for me, that was amazing. I think this is why, you know, a lot of my projects are called Man on Bench um, because it's, you know, they would, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him. Um, you know, that, that, that fella and he's called Gavin Lane. Right. Um, and he was so humble and, and he was like, I was just doing my job. Yeah. yeah. And I went, no, I said, that's uh, I went, that's uh, was, I said, I said, you went way beyond yeah. your job. He could right? have just told you to fuck off. Exactly. Yeah. And he didn't. And, and, and he sat there and, and, and he listened to me crying my eyes out like this because I was completely broken. Right. There was, yeah. uh, you know, I think people don't realize like when, when trying to take your own life, right? People think it's like a coward's way out. It's an easy option and stuff like that. It's one of the hardest decisions you can make in your life. Um, and because at the time, it's not you who you're ending your life. It's everyone you know, yeah. right? It's, it's every person. It's every family member, every niece, nephew, your, your parents, everything like that. It's them, bad ones who end up having everything taken away, mm -hmm. not you. So to make that decision, um, you know, it takes a lot. Um, and obviously I, I tried it quite a few times over the years. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, a lot of it, you know, it, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
making that decision to end my life. It was the 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 you know the bad thoughts and you know the the, the crap that I was going through. Um, so it's it's difficult, isn't it? What I wanted to know, um, well, it's two things really. Firstly, um, how, how are you health wise now? Because you you just listed off pretty, pretty much all the yeah. illnesses. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> insane. Like I yeah. think I don't want to lose track because some of the things right. you said in there were like massive, and yeah. you've obviously had all the illnesses for starters. Like my my wife had cancer a few years ago, and it was brutal. Um, I was pretty lucky in that that sense um, because I'd been so obviously I had my stroke um, on. Easter Sunday it was um, in 2011. Um, and then by the November, December time, um, I was really, really ill and I got put into hospital with uh, neurosyphilis, um, which is a later stages of syphilis. And it goes into your spinal fluid, um, goes around the brain, starts making all your hair fall out, starts making you go blind and it ultimately can kill you. Um, and I had one of the worst uh, cases of it in this recorded in this country for over 35 years um and and it was severe it was really really severe um and and I had several instances of like um during the treatment of that that you know obviously caused my cardiac arrest um but I got put into hospital had lumbar punches and blood tests and that's when they found out I had the colon cancer but I, it was at such an early stage. So even though I was, and I, I always like to say, like you know, it's, it's, you know, like when you fall out, you fall into shit and come out smelling of roses. Um, I feel like there's been these moments within my life that, yes, I've had this really shit period, but I've come out like of roses, and and this is one of them, like you know, because I, if I hadn't have been put into hospital with the neurosyphilis, I wouldn't have found out I had cancer. Um, and I had it at such an early stage that all they had to do was cut it out. Um, so I didn't have to go through full treatment. I was on a procaine penicillin, which is part chemo, part penicillin treatment for the neurosyphilis. So they said that's going to be enough. So it has come back since that I've had to have more cut out um, over the years. Um, I think I've got a checkup next year, I think, in the pipeline um, to just, you know, have another check to see if that's all okay. Um, other things I had recently um, back in November, I was back in hospital um, uh, after having another bleed uh, on the brain. Um, and that was fine. You know, uh, I come out of that. Okay. And um, the only thing I've got now, which is causing me a little bit of anxiety and, uh, I was speaking to a friend who's a mental health uh, uh, trainer yesterday about this. Um, the thing that's causing me a lot of my mental health problems at the moment is the fact that um, I've got problem with my heart. Um, and I think this is like due to part lifestyle, um, previous lifestyle, um, but also everything else what's gone on since uh, with illnesses. So I've just found out that my... Um, my right ventricular and my right atrium are both uh, dilated. So they're swollen quite badly. Um, so I'm now waiting because basically what that um, means is it's, you're more prone to cardiac arrest now. Um, so that's been causing me a lot of anxiety um, because 
I don't ex I, I exercise. I walk a lot. Uh, I do a lot of hill walking and uh, and stuff like that. Right. And I do it on my own all the time. Yeah. And so having this concern now that suddenly there could be, you know, like yeah. non, you know, oh, right. side of, of you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. It, 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 that's caused me a lot of concern recently. Um, and just in general with my life, um, you know, my mental health, like I said, has been all over the place recently. And it's because a lot of my work and my artwork is about, um, it's about me. It's it, 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 it's sort of like biographical. It's looking at those suicide attempts. It's looking at the mental health that I've been through, um, and and a lot of it is about evaluating my life. Um, That's quite difficult, isn't it? So yeah. So keep going back and then doing that. I then then have to then have time out. You know, try and you know because you're reliving, you're reliving yeah. experience, right? So yeah. I mean, I, similarly, like I wrote mm. a rec- I, when when I my relationship ended with my children, I wrote a record that was um literally me. Uh, I mean, Nick's played bass in this band, yeah, so, it's so, been so, angry. Uh, but, but the, 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 it's a very heavy record yeah. to, to have made, and it was very literal and very visceral. And I'm making it like I, I, t- I didn't really take it as as that. But then on retrospect, when I listen to it now, I'm like, fucking hell. Like, and, and you remember a lot, right? And it's, yeah, I'm glad we sort of put it to bed. Because it does. You, you you remember all of the finer details of the things that maybe you're not the most proud of as well at times, for me anyway. And that, Yeah, that I agree. Because I used to wake up in cold sweats about some of that stuff. So it's, yeah. it takes you over, right? Like, I mean, it has some, it has some um, kind of, I do think there are benefits in there, as in it helps yeah. you to come to terms yeah. and to make sense of. Yeah. Um, but there is a point where you're like, oh, I've done that now. Yeah. Like now I need to just go, all right, I'll put it in a box. I will put it over there because I have addressed it, you know, and I think you've done that, Warren, in many ways. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny because I, I do like artwork and uh, my artwork's all pretty about my mental health and I, I tend to throw my anger at art. And um, and like, like, I haven't been that low for about six months and I haven't done anything. I've done it's nothing. Funny, yeah. And uh, so it does show that I must be doing all right, but I've had some really bad years previously. Yeah. <laughs> it's really strange, actually, because for me as well, you know, I, I find that, some of the best work that I make is when my mind is a little bit like not fragile. I don't want to say fragile, but a little bit looser than normal. Like, you know, because I, I said like, you know, I structure my life now to try and contain everything. And sometimes I think that's a really, you know, it's good because it keeps me like, you know, sort yeah. of sane. I also feel like it takes away something. Um, it takes your so, edge out a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So by having that looseness where your mind is a little bit all over the place, sometimes some yeah. of those little those gem moments or those, you know, you may you, you might come up with like a little lyric or a little line and you just go, yeah. whoa, fuck, like, you know, that's amazing. That's and so I, fracture, I, it's fracture. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not, it's not fucked, but it's a little fracture that you can sort of go in and go, oh, and you react to it. I'm, I'm yeah. so active in that respect. Mm. Way, like, I'll, I'll fuck about with painting as well and things like that but I'm not but I, I will do and I'll doodle just to get some sort of energy out and for pick up a guitar I've been in the room with him and I, I sort of go into this weird thing and it's 
it's all done um, subconsciously, but you need to do it. It's in you, and it's because of reaction. Yeah. I'm so reactive, and I think it's yeah. I, I think that's and I think that's really important as well. And 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 I think by being reactive, it can also help you put to bed previous work. So you know, like my 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 latest work, Unknown Soldier, is sort of like a rewrite of my Man on Bench show, which was talking about the the last night of me on the streets when I did my overdose, right? And 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 I was like, well, it, it had lost something by turning it into this big spectacle of thing, right? So I then rewrote it and put it into this unknown soldier. And because obviously being a veteran myself, I wanted to see, how, you know, was it being a veteran, was that the catalyst of all these things going wrong in my life, right? Um, and, and I think this is why I, I go back and evaluate a lot. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's got to that stage now where I'm like, I performed it last week and 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 I, and I was like, I think it's getting to that stage now where I need to go, right, let's move on. Um, and, and so I've been, um, I'm working with US veterans at the moment, um, creating this audio installation um, of their stories. It is, I've got to admit, it is epic it is absolutely yeah, brilliant some of the stories that they they wanted to share and it, like what we're doing now i do these weekly sessions where we all just come together and we put a couple of prompts in the room and then we just talk and then we we write little like verses or, or paragraphs and stuff like that and they and then the following week they share it and then we then go on to the next section and stuff and then in the end it creates these these audio maps of their life um and then I was like, well, I want to put them into like an audio piece. So I, I've been really lucky. I've been back, uh, in uh, the studio with Lema Layton recently, um, and she's been sort of like helping produce this, this work. And for me, I feel like I'm moving into this next stage um, of my work and going, I've dealt with that part of my mental health. I can deal with that now. I can put that on a shelf um, and then move on. And and I feel like that's sometimes something we we have to do. Um, but I think also it's that like what we're doing now, right? We've come together. We all we all have some sort of mental health uh, thing that we deal with, right? Uh, uh, on a on a daily basis, right? And we're talking about it because we know by talking about it, not only is it helping us free. But anyone else who's listening out there will go, well, actually, I, I, I go through something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I feel that's what our art does as well. Mm. Um, it, 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 it gives people that access to go, fuck it. Mm. it. It isn't just my problem. No, loads of people going through this. Loads of guys are doing this. Like, or I can start to understand other people's problems a little bit better. Maybe that's why that person is a bit shitty sometimes. You know, like just that little bit of you get a bit of understanding and empathy that oh, I didn't realize people went through it in such an intense way. Maybe all of those things. Really, um, so you touched. I, I wanted to know, you know, uh, so when you were kind of, uh, I used to work in kitchens as well, so I know what that's like for booze and drugs. Um, and then I was thinking, so uh, so it sounds like through that period, there was a, a lot of kind of self-medication, even with the drinking was that, you know, have you kind of come to terms with why, 
how you became unwell? No, I, I think this is something I'm still trying to deal with. Um, and I and I feel like, you know, it's had these bigger questions within myself to go, you know, I joined, I, I left school, I joined the forces. I wanted to be a chef, right? I always wanted to be a chef, right? Um, it was a passion of mine. I loved cooking. I loved food. I loved everything about it, right? Um, from That's what woman wants to be. <laughs> Woman's got his drive to be a chef. Yeah, yeah I have. And I do. It's, it's weird. good. It is, right? And, and, and it's just such a tactile um job that you know through you use all your senses and 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 i loved it i loved everything about it right um but i think it got to the stage that i lost i lost that passion for it because i bought the business and i think that's where it all went wrong because i i was always led to believe that you know to be a successful chef that you've got to end up owning your own places and blah 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 so i i pushed myself and pushed myself and because i came from poverty and and i wanted to make everyone else proud that i'd opened my own restaurants and stuff like this i think i lost that that will to love it anymore um so i then started to hate it but couldn't get out of it um and i think that plus my issues of identity of who i was and you know being um uh a gay man who didn't want to be a gay man um and and the struggles with that because growing up in sort of like the 80s and uh it was late 70s early 80s with this stigma around uh the gay communities and stuff like this i really really struggle with um and, and i still do to this day um so i think it really kind of um like i i identity has always been an issue that i've kind of struggled with mm -hmm. and um and it, and i think yeah if you're not very confident with your identity and who you are and you feel like everyone else is kind of uh like even if you mention who you are, they're going to instantly dislike you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, that gets into your head where you're yeah, like, totally. oh, well, then there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And, and it fucks you up. And, 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 it, and it was, and because having, and because and I had to leave the armed forces because of my sexuality, because I, really? I, I knew that they were that at any point they were going to find out and I would have been kicked out because it was illegal when I was in the British forces to be uh, gay and stuff. So I had all these pressures and then, you know, coming out and then trying to move on in life as a heterosexual person, um, hiding everything else, all those then going into the, like the catering sector and at the time you know there wasn't very many openly gay head chefs pretty macho place yeah exactly and and it's full yeah. on and the adrenaline so i think the whole culmination culmination of things and i think that's i think where a lot of it all stems from um you know the drinking and and and, and lifestyle because for me um I was always trying to hide something. I was always running away from something. Um, and, you know, when you're constantly hiding everything, not talking about it, mm. bottling it all up, you know, no one knows what you're going through. No. 
it's it's gonna blow up at some point equally i think through life we 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 always seek acceptance right from when we're kids like i was like called a grunge yeah, school, shit like that and, and as much as i hated it i like being alternative but at the same point you're still getting fucking picked on and mm. it's like and, and no matter what it is like no matter what your choices are from young like i mean you, you from looking at somebody alone like and regardless of any stereotyping you, you don't know what they like to eat, who they want to fuck, whatever else. Like, yeah. So as you grow older, obviously that matters. But when you're sort of finding that out, like you're, like every, everybody is reactive and we are always chasing the fact that when someone asks, oh, do you like this? And you say no. And they like that, that battle of like questioning. Yeah. And it's, it's just amazing. Like, I mean, I, I was just like, we said on a couple of episodes a little while ago of some like, some younger people, but um, that, like <laughs> just about, just about society now in changing about that, that form of that idea of acceptance. I think there's a lot more, there are a lot more ways to describe who you are now. Mm. And that's good because of education purposes, really, for mm. the naive and for the for the, the straight up arseholes as well, really, just to give give people this is what I am. And and I think that's enabled people and it's enabled people to be more confident and to not actually need to seek acceptance, really, because there's more community. Mm. And I think that's that's that always stems from it. It's the most important thing for me has always been for like to have people around you that will fucking stick up for you if you need them to right yeah. and you find that eventually in life i feel yeah like, you do and, and and i think this is something that recently has been happening for me because yeah. where i sort of like left the forces and then had the next 20 odd years struggling mm. trying to you know figure out why and all these different things and recently i got introduced to this charity which um uh, started during covid um uh called um what are they called uh fighting with pride um and they're um they were um set up to help lgbt veterans um and right. suddenly i was then introduced to other veterans lgbt veterans I i'd never met anyone who'd been yeah. gay like in the forces and I'm like, wow. yeah. Yeah. so suddenly i was then yeah. put into this 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 new community of people mm. listening and we went away to wales in july uh, a few of us and listening to some of their stories going yeah. that happened to me yeah it happened yeah. to me as well you know and, and 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 suddenly you know for me as an artist as somebody who's like been struggling with this identity part for so long to suddenly have that i was like whoa it was like a, yeah. it was like a massive changing point for me like it was like it triggered a lot of stuff uh don't don't get me wrong it brought up a lot of memories that i didn't really want to bring up but in a way that's a good thing because it now means that i can fucking address them yeah, and yeah. actually go i wasn't fucking wrong oh you know you know and so all these little things and um so yeah like it's it's been quite surreal in that sort of sense like i was saying like to answer the question i still haven't figured it all out um you know i i'm you know i'm 40 what, how old am i 46 i have to think <laughs> i'm 46 right um and and it's taken me you know over 40 years to actually like who I am. Mm. And so that's that's a good thing. That that's a win in itself. Like, you yeah. know, the last I couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I so you, people, what, you know, the, the, people always say, don't they, like, you know, how can anyone love you if you don't love yourself? And and yeah. I, know, I, I totally agree with that. Like, yeah, you know, I've been I've been single most of my life because of all these issues. Um yeah. so suddenly to literally start liking myself, I'm like mm. 
that's that's good it, it might look but i'm a bit scared that it might come across i might have all like happy art coming yeah. <laughs> no one has yeah, yeah, how to make yeah. happy yeah. art yeah, yeah you'll totally dry up that's what happens to me, to me I, I have to like really like relate to the it took me like uh well i'm 45 and it took me that long it's taken me like it's only been the last few years where and it's only been like when i start talking about it mm. all that i've started to feel much more confident and comfortable in my own skin mm. and from never really feeling that it's kind of sometimes it's a bit scary in itself um and mm. it did take things like i used to go to like group psychotherapy and it did take being in a room full of other people who have got been through similar things to kind of start kind of something's brutal and it's painful but it does then you just start it just starts cheap some of it keeps it's like someone pulling bits of it away from you just slowly mm. and then it, i what i did want to say was before we started talking you said like sometimes when um like you're having a bad mental health period or time it's like when someone's uh, when you've got the decorators in and everything's like yeah. every, the whole yeah. place is covered in shit, but you know in a couple of weeks it'll be better. And I really like that was the perfect way of explaining that. Now that is how I view my mental health. Now I'll be like, I might be having a shit time for a bit, but I know that I can pull through because I pulled through before. Yeah. I know I'm not going to go down to the depths I've been to before because I know what I'm doing now. Um, and it will be all right in a week or two, you know? Yeah. And like I think like that just shows how far you've come because now yeah. you can look at it like, all right, it's shit at the moment. All right, sometimes it's shit at the moment. Like, yeah. the world's a bit fucked at the moment, you know? Like, exactly. And then you start seeing yeah. things for what they are rather than going... Oh, it's me. I hate myself. There's a, yeah. there's a big difference there. That's the shift. That's that's being well. That is. Yeah, I think it is. But I I also feel like what helps me now within that sense as well is the people I surround myself with. Yeah. So whereas I used to surround myself with people who were drinking, partying, you know, mm. this this quite um, brutal lifestyle, right? You know. Um, I sort of stepped away, deleted that part of my life um, and then started surrounding myself with people who are very um, and who are a bit more emphatic, um, you know, mm. with you know some of my my bestest friends now are people who really, really understand what I've been through from the homelessness side to the suicide side to you know the mental health side like you know I was speaking to a couple of friends the other day I said I'm really sorry I've been a bit silent recently I've been having a bit of like a bit of a mess with my mental health recently and then they randomly turned up at my work because I work at a part-time uh, for a charity um, and they they randomly turned up on a Friday evening said are you at work I went yeah yeah and I went oh come outside we'll, we'll go and grab a like a drink in the park and stuff like so we sat there soft drink some cake and biscuits and stuff and it was really really nice right that's lovely that that would never have happened before if i was out drinking and saying oh i'm having a really shit time they'd be like oh grab a pint get yeah, it down there, more right? booze, yeah. Yeah, yeah so i think like you know there's things oh, like cool. that um i also you know and, and and because like you know this is a really frank and open conversation i wanted to throw a question at you guys as well because yeah, i feel that there are times where 
do you ever worry about like a relapse you know in your mental health because I know for me personally it's something that's always on my mind like this whole relapsing and and don't get me wrong I, I I have suicidal thoughts a lot right I have done over this whole period of time for years you know that that's always niggling there and sometimes I do think I know they're just thoughts, right? And I know that I won't go that next step, right? It's been 2015 was my last attempt, right? And But I do sometimes think, but what if my mental health is just a little bit, do you know what I mean? There is always yeah, that little yeah. worry and that niggle. Uh, like that, um, the suicidal thoughts, like the kind of constant things, that's, that's basically less my thing. That's mm. what I, I, I struggle with and uh, have done since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I do worry about relapse, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'll know, I'll catch myself sometimes and I'll realise that actually I might have been going down the wrong road and my 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 thoughts, um, I'm not thinking very well at the moment. I'm thinking about things that will make me want to die, you know, like without, it becomes comfortable and you get sucked into it. Um, And that happens to me. You know what happens to me once or twice a week? I have have at least two bad days a week. Um, And those, one of those days could be really, really quite bad. Um, But, what I do is, and I suppose this is a difference really, is that I let myself off. Um, like there would be times when I would start beating myself up because I'm having those thoughts, because I'm having those feelings, or because I have not caught myself, or I've not. Why didn't I start talking about this earlier with my wife or something? You know, like I notice that I'm, things are getting a little bit worse. And it's normally like a month down the line. I'm like, oh fuck, I've been doing this for a month. Shit, I need to sort it out. And then, and at that point, you know, when if I get to that point, that's when I'm like, I'll just say to my wife, I need to talk on my mum, or I'll go to the doctors. Mm. And what I do, I just, yeah, I do, um, I do, I am frightened sometimes, but I think the fear of it, um, my, I've got a therapist who would say that's your your brain trying to protect you so it's going oh it's going to happen and it's trying to protect you so I tend to just go like that's just that shitty bit of my brain and I don't need to listen to this and I let myself off that's a really big thing it's like Mm. I've got this monster I've got it I can't I'm not going to get rid of it Um, but if I'm kind of fighting against it I'm making it worse. It's like, no, no, it's so I just try and let myself off because I start getting into that cycle of, oh, why, what, what the fuck? Oh, it's coming back. And then, and then I do get ill, you know, and then I am off of work for fucking ages. And I'm like, so, uh, so yeah, I, I do fear that, but I tend to, I actually fear it much, much less since I've kind of just accepted that it is and is. Mm. And that's helped me a lot. You know, like, yeah, sometimes the painters are in, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. though, I mean, that sounds really bad actually. If a woman listens to that, yeah, I know. I was gonna say, <laughs> is, the decorators, but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> that is sometimes it's a mess, yeah. but it doesn't mean it's a mess for a month, mm. and that's kind of what I do, and that pulls me back. But yeah, I try not to fear it in the same way. And it's it's like since knowing you, you've, you've always seen much to me at least, like outward projection or whatever, seemed a, a lot calmer now than I've ever known you, to be honest. And and same with me, I think you. Yeah. It's like it's it's, it's it's this podcast has done an awful lot. Like my situation is slightly slightly different in that I I have like a a sort of a a wave pattern of of destructiveness. And it's always reactive to a situation that I might have caused as well. You know, it's it's that's who I have always been. And I, I don't know why, but it's just I've explored it. I've been for a lot of therapy for it. But my demons sort of when I'm bored, they then decide to sort of come out to play. Right. Yeah. So if I'm occupied, then it's great. If I'm busy, it's great. But if I'm busy and I don't want to be doing it, like when I used to work nine to five jobs alongside being a musician, if I'm busy, I don't want to be doing it. It's the worst situation because I will just fucking destroy it. And it's like if, in a, if I'm in a relationship where I don't want to actually be in it because I'm hiding, being hurt or whatever. So I learned to sort of put myself around the right people and put myself in the right situations. But I mean, it's, it comes up all the time. Like, like yeah. I, I, am, I am weekly, I have my demons probably daily actually, but I know how to combat them. And it's always with exercise or, or always community and good people helping and conversate and doing stuff with people, not on my own. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Yeah, do you know, I, I agree yeah. with that as well because I think that whole sort of like um, co-creation of stuff, like you know, I think really, really helps. You know, for me as well. You know, I, I went through a really, really bad patch in 2019. Um, I was, I was due to fly to America to go and work with these US veterans to work on this project, and um, and I got turned down for my visa because of what happened after I left the forces you know I got into trouble with the law basically like my head was so screwed up at the time because of having to leave the army because of my sexuality right um that I then got in trouble with the law went to Australia like you know and all this sort of trouble and that came back to haunt me yeah, when right. trying to get my visa and I get turned down by the US uh uh visa people with them laughing at me going you fucked your life up didn't you and I went Back wow. off, mate. You're one oh, country. I know, right? And and I was like, wow. You get there by Mexico anyway, so fuck I know. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, look, I'm, I'm coming out here to work with your US your veterans people. who are going mm. through PTSD, mental health problems and homelessness and all this. And you're now literally stopping me from going out and working with these, right? And um, and they laughed at me about it, right? So and but that really like triggered something in me and caused me. I was so close to relapse, um, you know, and this was in 2019. I had a few weeks off, but the thing that pulled me out of it was the fact that my boss who I work with, like my, my work colleague, he's so amazing. And he went, this is exactly why I fight to uh, within this charity because of situations like this, that that should never have happened, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then with the friends that I, I have around me, all sort of like, I don't want to say stepped up because that sounds like that they had to make an effort. They didn't, right? They were just there 
constantly right um and that really sort of like pulled me out of that 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 period of time and in a way it's come back on itself now because because of covid i'm now working with those same veterans that i was due to go out there to work with mm. getting paid to do it and not having to pay american tax so fuck them yeah, exactly. um <laughs> so for, so for so for me I think it, it, it's one of those situations, you know, like um, our sense of self is so closely linked to our mental health, I think. Um, and then, and especially if a lot of your kind of issues like mine are around your, you know, your identity and, um, you know, you're not feeling comfortable. As So it's really easy for that sense of self to get hit. Really, really easy, yeah. and I, I, I've certainly found that you know, I mean, work things. I had to change my job because I kept getting that sense of self hit, um, and then, so then I do think you have to be kind of fucking no, fuck you. I'm going to stick up for my sense of self because if I don't, I'm dead. You know, I'm dead. I'll like, like that's the alternative, and then I think, um, and then the way to get make that better. It's quite often, you know, like you just talk to someone and they they smile when you say something or they look interested. All those little things start building that sense of self back up. Yeah. And I, I know when I've been really unwell and like I I had 10 years on the booze and, um, and I would stay indoors. I'd barely go out and that just makes you feel worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And like, I do have to, like, and I'd have to kick myself up the ass to get out and to talk to people. Um, but it is, it's like just those smallest little bits, those little interactions start making you think, well, they like me, so I can't be that much of an arsehole. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's really, really tiny. But you, you could do that. You could talk to five people in a day and, like, just watching their face. And, like, they look interested. You might see, like, ten signs on their face that shows that you're not shit. I think I think this is exactly why I do art, right? Because for me, you know, I don't, you know, hardly ever sell my work, right? I, I think I sold one piece in the last three years or something stupid like that, right? Because it's not why I make art, right? I make art because it makes me feel fucking good about who I am, right? I make art that can tell a story that hopefully someone else can watch it and go, fuck, I'm going through that, right? And 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 if he's got through that, it means that I can fucking get through it, right? So it's about picking people up, right? And 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 this is why through that I then started this little festival, right? Um, because for me. I know that feeling of how having one of my pictures on a gallery wall makes me feel right. It makes me feel fucking good about myself. Right. That I've gone through all this shit. I've managed to produce something and get it into a gallery. Right. That makes me feel amazing about myself. Right. And I want that for everyone who's going through those problems, whether, whether they've got addiction problems, whether they've got mental health problems, homelessness problems, whatever they're going through, they should have the right, to have that feeling right yeah. not necessarily you know you know have full gallery spaces and that that is not not what i'm asking I, i'm asking for people to give people those opportunities right so when i look at sort of like you know talking with people and, and going into galleries and stuff and they're saying we want to give you a show i go that's great right that's brilliant i love that 
but it shouldn't just be me who's getting this show no give it to other people as well um so i'm always trying to get other people's work seen right because i want them to have that feeling of being seen being accepted for something great about them right and i think this is something that we have people who go through mental health problems like we only ever see the negatives in ourselves right we yeah, we see yeah. those those downtimes those bad times and stuff like this and we go fuck i just want somebody to see something good about me mm. and i really believe that art creates those pathways for that you know I, I you know obviously I, I do a lot of work in the homelessness sector and stuff with my work right and i always say art can't give you a home and i'm not expecting it to but it can provide a route to one right because it gives people that resilience that self-worth you know that confidence to stand there and go that's my fucking artwork right and be, and be proud of it like you know be proud of who they are and i feel like we you know we, we're never really proud of ourselves like you know when because we're always beating ourselves up yeah yeah and that's you know I mean? yeah that's yeah and that's i mean yeah that's certainly uh i i've been like that for years i'm much much better now but it is that kind of you 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 basically you, you always starts out on a negative it always starts yeah. out on a negative um and it is but, I do but it's about turning that negative like yeah. you know it's about flipping it into a positive right you know so you know my my, my my very first solo photography exhibition was called pulling the positives from the negatives right um great plan words right uh, <laughs> if i may say so myself um but it was me showcasing stuff from when I was on the streets, right? So yeah. even though it was a really shit time for me, right? For my mental health, my my actual health, and for my living conditions, I'm now using it and saying, yeah, that was a really shit time, but I'm proud that I went through it. I'm not ashamed that it happened to me. And that's that's one thing. If I could pass on any advice to anyone, right? With anything that ever goes on, never be ashamed of anything about yourself right because i think it's that that shame is the thing that chews you up that's that it really fucking eats away at you right um and creates that negativity and then you automatically think that people are judging you for it so when i do public speaking i stand there and say look there are certain things that i'm going to talk about um which you're going to judge me for but you know what i don't give a fuck right because you can judge me as much as you want because I can guarantee that you're never going to judge me as much as I've judged myself. Mm. Um, and, and I feel like, you know, don't be ashamed of it. Own it. That's Own true. it. Own it. Like, no, you know, no, it's true punk rock, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't really know much about punk rock, right? No, 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 it's no, punk rock, I would love to know more about it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I've been able to let go like that, exactly. uh, which I'd love to. But it's about owning something, right? You know, instead of always, you know, we're always let, you know, especially in Britain as well, like, we're always like, you know, told to sort of like, we have to tie into a certain image or a certain way or a certain structure right and if you fall outside of those things like you know you know people going through addiction problems and stuff like that they're always like shunned upon right but mm -hmm. for me i see value in everything i see value in everyone right you know and, and if we really truly 
value human beings, mm. right, then surely we should value every single person who's a human being, every yes. single person, right, whether they are, you know, living in poverty from council states, bloody, whatever you want to like, you know, the, those those stigmas and stuff like that. Um, but everyone has value. Everyone adds value to society. Yeah, and everyone's got, and even if it's just the, the richness of their story, you know, mm -hmm. like there's, um, oh, you know what, when you, you just said about the shame thing, I read, um, that was the best, best, normally, right, I ask people if they'll give us um, a top tip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, normally round up on the top tip, and I just yeah. thought the way when you did that it was so perfect. Mm. I absolutely loved it, and um, like that, that rings so true with me. It was doing this podcast and saying I'm not ashamed anymore. Mm. You know, I'm mental, and I like I refuse to be embarrassed because all the years I've been embarrassed have made me more real. So fuck mm. it, I'm going to yeah. tell everyone, and that's it. And um, and I love that. Writing. Yeah, I love that. I, I wrote um, uh, a poem. Uh, it's not really a poem, but it's like a just a few words about twenty odd years ago called Madness, um, talking about you know me and my madness and stuff like that, right? But at the time, I didn't. I just thought it was just me in the chaotic sort of like way, like you know, I didn't actually realise that I was actually fucking mad at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it wasn't until and it's funny because I went back to that and put it into my unknown soldier, um, which I'd written twenty odd years ago when I was you know yeah. trying to figure stuff out in Australia. So yeah, it's just I, I think shame is like you know it's one of the biggest killers. Um, I think for us, um, you know knowing the amount of men who take their own lives like and it, and it's always shame is one of those big driving points yeah. you know it's I mean? not the that it really isn't talked about people don't talk about the shame of that that um you're not coping and yeah. uh, i'm meant to be a fucking man and i'm not coping and mm. and then that like and then you think about the things that like things that lead to addiction, things that lead to homelessness. Um, it, none of it comes out of somewhere nice, does it? Like something's gone fucking wrong. You know, <laughs> something's yeah. gone wrong. Yeah. So we should use, we should double down on empathy because yeah. rather than go yeah. the other way and go, right, well, we just got to move them on, just, you know, end it. Don't work that way, does it? No, no double down on the empathy. I think, no. I think you're right, actually. I think like, you know, we are, we're so quick to sort of like pass the buck or, you know, tell people to move on or to get over it, you know, and, and it, when people say, get over it, get over it. Right. Because I, I get it quite a lot in my artwork. Right. Because people are saying, Oh, you're, you're beating on about the same thing on and on and on. I went, well, if I don't, then you lot are going to keep fucking ignoring it. Right. So stop telling me to move on. You know, I will choose to move on when I feel, people are actually listening or actually making a fucking difference you know um you know I, I i feel like you know we we don't look at mental health the same way as what we look at a broken bone right uh, we look at a broken bone and go right we're going to fix that straight away wrap it all up and stuff like that you need the same sort of processes for mental health like you know you need that access to mental health um you know practitioners straight away because if you don't then that break like if you left a broken bone right you're going to be fucking crippled aren't you yeah, right? in the end you're going to lose your leg 
exactly right you know yeah. and it's the same thing with mental health like yeah, you know, yeah. your your body needs this this equity within you know with treatment and stuff but they don't see it as that they just see it as like oh you're just whinging again like i was speaking to an a and e doctor um uh, several months ago who i i asked him like is has covid like made it a little bit easier or harder like this right he goes well he goes it's it's, it's stopped these people coming in who are just trying to waste my time mm. and and i went what do you mean by that he goes well these people are just coming in with these 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 fantasy problems and i'm like are you talking about mental health like this right he went well i don't really want to sort of like put it that way but it's made my life easier that way and i'm thinking you're an a and &E doctor right and if you can't understand mental health then there's something seriously wrong with our system isn't there oh you yeah know? yeah oh I've, I've had some really awful doctors who have basically told me to put it together um, i i had a doctor who told me i hadn't had a stroke right <laughs> right okay even though it was on my records that i'd had a stroke right and he was like and this was an a and e doctor as well and he went no no he, he said no that that's impossible you're too young and i went mate i said babies can have strokes in the womb right so don't tell me that i'm too young to have a stroke you're a fucking <laughs> what was it it was winds sorry mate. yeah, yeah gotcha <laughs> Right, listen, we're going to have to wrap up, David. Um, no worries, man. Where to tell us about where do people check out charities? And yeah, so they they can either check out my websites. Um, I have like my own art practice website, which is davidtobyart.co.uk. Um, I have the One Festival, um, where they they're, they're best off following our Twitter feed on the One Festival of Homeless Arts. Um, that's where we promote anything about homeless arts um, around the world. Um, we do that. Um, I also work for this amazing little charity called Arts and Homelessness International. Um, and our sole purpose is to create opportunity um, and advocate for homeless arts being part of um, helping people out of homelessness or even when there are homeless to have that access to have arts because like we we're saying it helps with you know well-being resilience yeah, you know etc um and the way i look at it just because somebody's homeless or houseless whatever you want to call it um doesn't mean that they shouldn't have access to the arts um because arts is a human right and i feel that everyone should have access to this yeah, just, um, you know, they can follow me on those. Um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter and those sort on of things. The Instas, on the, the Instas. I'm not on Facebook. I hate Facebook, so I'm not on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I told Facebook to do one. Um, I'm not really in. I, I, I found that for me, Facebook is a very negative space um, yeah, very and, I, and I don't want... I don't want to surround myself with that sort of negative yeah, vibe. So. Yeah. I've um, got some work coming up. Um, I'm going to be showcasing uh, my unknown soldier in Coventry in October as part of the city of culture there. Um, and then I've got a, a solo show opening in January down in Rochester in Kent, um, which will be um, all about um, uh soldiers veterans um and trying to highlight um 
the problem around suicides of uh, veterans at the moment. Um, so that is a show that I've been working on for about two years now, trying to put it oh, all together, yeah. and I'm really proud of that piece. Um, and that's in Rochester. Thank you so much. We'll have to get down to it, David. Thank yeah, you. yeah, come down. Like you'll be more than welcome. Please let us know when you're opening, and we'll be down there for sure. It'd be lovely. Wicked. I really oh, appreciate thanks, that. Thanks, David. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. You're a superstar. No, that was great. Thank really you. appreciate it. And you know, I I think what you guys are doing is amazing. I think I I, I wish more people were out there, like talking about mental health um, and and advocating that it's okay to feel shit. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and um, I think if we can get that message over to people, because I think like, you know, a lot of people seem to think that mental health is like this magic answer and people start doing yeah. stuff and get tablets and that. No, no, fuck that, man. It's okay to feel shit. It's okay yeah. to feel shit. Just feel shit right. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, exactly. that, and, and we get through it. We do. And we will. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thank, Thank you so, you much, so much. Pleasure. Pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye, mate. Take care, guys. Bye bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.